T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. 97.1 FM Talk Podcast. This hour of the Mark Reardon Show is sponsored by Gamma Tree Experts. Your trees deserve the best care. Call Gamma Tree Experts. You're listening to the Mark Reardon Show on St. Louis's home for conservative talk. Can't believe Christmas is so soon. I know. I had a person message me on Facebook. They said they love my parenting hack. So, hey, I'm helping someone out there. I think it's a great parenting hack. Uh-huh. But one person, as long as one person benefits from it, then it was all worth it. Um, if you miss my parenting hack, rewind about an hour to the start of the four o'clock hour. You'll hear that and you'll regret rewinding. Former Missouri Senator Jim Talent joins us now. It's always a pleasure to have him on the line. Mr. Talent, welcome to 97.1. Well, thank you. And it's always a pleasure to be with you, Ryan. Someone that pays close attention to foreign intelligence, seeing that a world leader like Zelensky making his first trip out of his country, which is at war, to the United States to talk to, I guess, one of their biggest donators. That's a pretty big deal in Washington, D.C. today. Yeah, it's a very big deal. It's no accident he came here. Uh, Ukraine has performed very well and um, is has a very good chance of improving its situation, but it depends on continued Western support, which in turn depends on the position of the United States. So he's been he's been kicking butt and taking names in the information domain, as the intelligence <laughs> and, community says, and he's continuing to do that by coming here. Well, Lindsey Graham came out and again reiterated his support for Ukraine and said that after all of this, you cannot give up any land to Russia. After everything that they've done, it would be insulting to concede or to negotiate. So he looks at this as the long term in order to stabilize the world and to make things better for everyone. We need to make sure we stand up to Russia on all fronts and not negotiate with them. Uh, Do you think that's still the stance the United States needs to take or do you think we should look at a different route? I think for the time being, it's it's perfectly okay to be saying that, and that's probably what he needs to say. Since I'm not in office, I can uh, <laughs> I can speculate. Let me just take a minute. Um, we're, we are approaching, I think, a kind of inflection point for the war. So where America's interests and the Ukrainian interests may diverge somewhat, okay. So our interest in this was weakening the Russian state because Russia under Putin has become a um, an an adversary of the United States all over the world. And uh, in particular, in the Middle East, 
and in the Far East, where where he's just become Robin to Xi Jinping's Batman. So weakening the Russian state was a very good thing. And we also want to establish an equilibrium, reestablish an equilibrium in Europe, because the instability there is not good for all kinds of reasons, refugees, energy issues, the whole ball of wax. Well, the Russian state has been pretty significantly weakened. And we do want that equilibrium. And it's going to take a long time to get an equilibrium if if it depends on the Ukrainians getting every square inch of territory back. Right. And I'm not sure that's good for the U- Ukraines either, because although I think they're winning on the battlefield, their economy is being hurt very badly. Right. So uh, I, I'm sorry, I know I'm going on a long yeah. time, but basically <laughs> the time may come when we need to have some very private conversations with Zelensky about what he might be able to accept in return for ending the war. Right. Now, uh, Lindsay's right. We cannot be seen as betraying an ally. Too much mm-hmm. of that. So, no, we're not going to undercut them, but we should have some discussions with them. I feel like we've already betrayed in some ways. I thought we would step in and help them, much like when they agreed to give up their nukes. What was it in the 90s or whatever? We said, oh, don't worry about it. We'll come step in. But then a lot of these European nations, uh, no, <laughs> it didn't really seem to pan out the way that they agreed originally. Yeah, I think it's very fair to say this this war has occurred because of the fecklessness of the the uh, the NATO allies and the United States shares some of the responsibility for that. You know, we drew down so far in Europe. Uh, we just thought, well, there's never any danger of conflict. In, as of 2013, we didn't have a working tank in Europe. So this kind of thing encourages aggressors. Uh, like Putin. Had we taken a stronger line across the board and armed the Ukraines better, now Trump did a lot of it, uh, we might have been able to deter this thing. Yep. Former Missouri Senator Jim Talent joining us now on 97.1. You hear a lot of threats from Russia and Putin, and it seems to ramp up every once in a while when you think that they're on the ropes. You wonder if it's just some sort of tactic to puff up your chest to make yourself look mightier than they are. But there's another threat that came out. If we can play that clip, Abby, this is uh, clip number 13 of Vladimir Putin. We will continue to maintain the combat readiness and improve the combat readiness of the nuclear triad. This is the main guarantee of preserving our sovereignty and territorial integrity. So we've heard these threats before from Vladimir Putin. Uh, is there any escalation or is this more of the same of what we've seen? Yeah, I think it's exactly what you were saying before. Uh, I think he's um, he's throwing that out in an effort to keep us from helping the Ukraines. And I think the right response to that is to continue the policy, not use American troops or NATO troops, but to support them even more. Uh, says, oh, you're going to threaten, so we're going to send them attack now is a longer range precision missile. Uh, I think we should have been doing that anyway. The policy is to support them, but not use American troops, which I believe very strongly. I've opposed the no-fly zone, for example, have to be enforced by NATO troops. But I think we should be sending them more. Uh, I'm not particularly concerned about these kinds of threats. Now, whenever you have a war, you have a, a danger of escalation. It's a good reason to try and deter them. But no, we can't let him uh, bully us out of a policy that's in our interests. Right. Um, let's look to about the threat that Russia continues to have. And it seems like once in a while you'll see those online memes, which over time will 
show you the different land that they've held, then lost, then held, then lost. And I think in the last 300 plus days, considering this has gone on for almost a year, I mean, we're coming up on a year next year, uh, a lot has been won, a lot has been lost. Can we just expect more of that, more wins, more losses? Or do you think that the end may be in sight with the state that rushes in today? It's possible that the Russian forces could collapse over the winter, but I don't think that's likely to happen. I think the Ukraines are going to continue pressuring on uh, across a pretty broad front as much as in order as fixing attacks, pardon me, as really, I think, hoping for a breakthrough. In other words, they don't want to give Putin space to be able to pull back his forces, retrain and reconstitute. And then I think in the spring, um, Ukraines are reconstituting. And if they get support, I would expect a, another offensive in the spring. Uh, I don't know that we're going to get the kind of breakthroughs we had um, around Kharkiv, but I think they're going to. There's a very good chance that they will continue making pro- progress in the spring. So, but I do not. I, I can't stand here and tell you that the experts are predicting, or uh, you know, that the Russia is just going to withdraw from the field. I, I don't. I don't see that happening. All right. So this may be kind of a morbid question, but we've heard some different stories about Vladimir Putin's health failing him, may suffering cancer, him falling down steps. You know, you you hear these little tidbits of information that may lead us to believe he is not in good health. What do you think lasts longer, uh, Vladimir Putin's life or this war with Ukraine and Russia continuing? Well, probably Vladimir Putin's life, but. His power has been degraded now, and I don't think he's going to be able to hang on long enough to build it up again. I mean, Mm. if we can achieve an honorable peace for the Ukrainians and uh, an uh, an equilibrium, stability in Eastern Europe, and we could talk about what that might entail, and if we can keep pushing the Europeans to keep their word, build up some of their defenses so they can forward position more troops. NATO's going to come out of this a lot stronger. I mean, we're going to get Finland and Sweden. So that part of the world will be more secure. And that's really what we're buying with all this money. Now, then we still have the problem in Indo-PACOM and in other places with the Chinese, but we have an opportunity for a success here. Yeah. Um, Can I switch gears here and talk to you about intelligence, the FBI and what we've learned about Twitter? Is that okay? Yeah, I've read. So I've read enough to be able to answer your questions on that. Yeah. Well, the hypothetical, I know that you've been very involved in the intelligence community and, and paid attention. And what we've learned from the Twitter files as of recently is that a lot of foreign FBI, well, not foreign, excuse me, uh, former FBI agents, later hired at Twitter. Some people are wondering, is it possible that someone may be working for the FBI and at the same time also may be working for a tech company, almost in a dual nature? And in the way that's the FBI monitoring and using these social media networks for their own bidding, some people looking at these Twitter files are starting to suspect that maybe the government had agents inside of these tech companies working on their behalf. Uh, Do you think that's possible? Yeah, I do. You can't put anything past the spooks, okay? Mm. But I'll tell you what bothers me about this is, I mean, there's a lot that bothers me about it. But the worst thing is that the Bureau was involved in political censorship, which it absolutely should not do, and in particular during an election. This is a very, very serious breach. 
And if people would step back and think about it, uh, regardless of whether you're a Republican or a Democrat, I think you would believe that. I mean, I, you know, I, from what I've been reading, mm-hmm. uh, they conditioned Twitter and probably Facebook as well for months and months to believe that the Hunter Biden laptop uh, was a disinformation yeah. in an effort to suppress it. And that's interference in an election and they're not supposed to do that. And so I have come around, you know, I've always been a very strong supporter of robust intelligence collection and of the Bureau. But I, I've come around over the last few years to believe that there's a cabal at the top and we need to get rid of them. And we need to reinstitute um, some safeguards that, that's going to keep the Bureau in line. It's going to take the next president to do it, unfortunately. But uh, uh, it, ha- it needs to happen. You know, and there was something else that came out in this, and it made me wonder. Um, I forgot it was the Aspen Institute or something like that, which basically reading it sounded like the government was funding these workshops, and they were calling representatives from these tech companies, calling representatives from the media, newspapers, television, and they were coaching them in a way on how to handle certain stories. For example, the Hunter Biden laptop story. Have you ever seen that in the intelligence community where they would find agents coaching media, newspapers, and even tech companies on how to handle certain situations? Well, most of my experience with classified intelligence, and I've obviously had a considerable amount of it, um, even since leaving the Senate, I was on the defense policy. I've been in a bunch of advisory commissions where I've had to be briefed on a lot of these issues, but most of it has been with foreign intelligence, what's happening in foreign countries, uh, I wouldn't I, I was never in an oversight position of the bureau. OK, so but I am I'm at the point where uh, I'm not prepared to rule almost anything out. In other words, five years ago, I would have said, look, I have a pretty high confidence level that if they're not supposed to be doing it, they're not doing it, at least institutionally. But I've seen too much like with the FISA court. I mean, forget about just what they that they did to the Trump campaign. The inspector general. Uh, did a thorough audit of their FISA warrant applications, and they're supposed to keep information separately, and they're supposed to keep what's called a Woods file to justify uh, these FISA warrants on Americans, okay? And the, the inspector general basically just said there was a wholesale disregard for the rules. And this just is not acceptable. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's. Um, I hoped that Attorney General Barr was going to, clean that up. I don't understand why it wasn't. We need somebody with a real record of accomplishment uh, to go in there and, and do a job. Wow. So I, look, I've, I'm different on these issues. I mean, basically, my priors are different than they would have been five years ago. It's amazing. Uh, it really is. Watching this information come out, made transparent, and you can only assume by multiple folds to these other larger tech companies. And it, there's just so much to unravel with that. Also talking about that trip to D.C. with uh, President Zelensky from Ukraine, visiting the White House with President Biden. Former Missouri Senator Jim Talent, thank you for coming on, discussing these things with us today. I appreciate it. Thank you, Ryan. Merry Christmas to everybody. Merry Christmas to you as well. Uh, joining us after the break, uh, George Yen is a professor emeritus of law, University of Virginia, has some concerns with releasing the tax records of President Trump. What could that mean in a new era and how can that be weaponized? We'll talk to him about that coming up after the break. I'm Ryan Recker filling in 97.1 FM Talk. 
We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Hard to believe Christmas is right around the corner. And I think schools across the region already calling off for tomorrow and saying, hey, kids, just enjoy that winter break one extra day. Finding uh, virtual learning possible in today's iPad world. So I'm assuming if you're a parent, you may be getting those calls, if not already learning some of the changes you may be making leading into this winter break. I'm Ryan Recker filling in for Mark Reardon. Yeah, we got that snow and cold coming in through the overnight and early hours tomorrow. And you're going to want to listen to here to get the very latest traffic and weather updates. Joining us now, a professor emeritus of law at the University of Virginia. And George Lynn on the line to talk about some of these concerns we're seeing. And a lot of people do have concerns with releasing former President Trump's tax returns. Uh, Mr. Yen, thank you for coming on to 97.1. Glad to be with you. So I think that releasing private tax information can be weaponized. And I think the big question is, uh, where do you see this going? Can it be used as a political weapon from here on out after these Basically, the floodgates have been open, and sometimes you can't turn back. Do you see this being used improperly in the future on other people? Uh, well, I have I have a concern. Actually, I've got two concerns. Um, as your listeners probably know, there is an IRS procedure that requires the mandatory audits of tax returns of presidents and vice presidents. And as it turns out, in this particular case, uh, as just revealed, even though the IRS had received the returns of the former president from 2015 to 2020, in other words, six years of returns, it actually only began to audit one of them, which is the 2015 return. And that uh, audit did not actually begin until September 2019, which was over two years after it had been filed and two and a half years, obviously, into his presidency. And, And the audit still hasn't been completed. Uh, The other five returns, 2016 through 2020, it's unclear what auditing, if any, has occurred so far. Most apparently have not even begun, and none of them have been completed. And so one thing that the committee is doing is they are recommending legislation to change the situation in the future by passing a law. And in that case, it is permissible, or at least in my opinion, it is permissible, 
to to reveal the facts that I just related, even though they would otherwise be protected confidential information. So I don't I'm not particularly concerned about that set of facts coming out. And I don't see that as a political uh, action on the part of the committee. And I don't see any reason to uh, trigger any kind of political um, response from the other side. Um, I do question, though, that in addition to that information, which I just revealed, that is the auditing or lack of auditing of the former president, uh, the uh, disclosure uh, does include uh, a wealth of additional information, specific information relating to uh, his former uh, his um, tax returns that he filed. And at least at this point, it's not clear to me why any of that had to come out. I, I understand that there's a lot of public interest in just, you know, kind of knowing about that stuff, but it is protected tax information. And in the ordinary course, that kind of information should not come out unless there is a clear legislative need to do that. And at this point, I don't I don't see it yet. And so I am worried that that amount of disclosure could be viewed by some people as a more of a political act rather than a uh, an act consistent with legislative policy. And if that's the case, then obviously you do potentially trigger a response, uh, kind of a tit-for-tat response. So that's one of my concerns. The other concern actually builds on this same point, which is that why was the IRS or why has the IRS been so derelict in its duty? Because it is its own requirement is to do these audits. And why hasn't it acted on them? And yeah. there I don't have a good answer for you, but I have two possibilities, neither of which seems like a good answer for or, or a positive answer for me for the country. One obviously is the, uh, that the IRS is, is like, you know, this kind of toothless demon behind the screen, that we're all scared of it. But then when we pull the screen back, we discovered that there's no one there or, or what's there is just a very toothless um, animal. Um, that would be very worrisome because that's not a good message to send to the country. Um, the other possibility, equally bad to me, maybe even worse, is that there was political interference in this case. That is, there was power on high coming down and basically telling the IRS, you know, back off. And if that's the case, obviously that's worrisome in two respects. One is the fact that there is such pressure coming from on high when there should not be such pressure. And the second is that the IRS apparently seems to have succumbed to it. If in fact, again, I, I have no no knowledge of if any of that happened, but at least it seems to me it would be a possible way of, of, of explaining what has happened. Wow. Okay. That's that's a lot to unravel. And joining us, a professor emeritus of law, University of Virginia, Georgian, joining us. And I wanted to go back to something you mentioned at the, the beginning of this and the auditing being delayed. And I was hoping you can explain that again, because one of the things you mentioned was that it explains why some of this could be released. But I was always under the impression, even if it was delayed, it was still private. But I think what you find when it comes to the Ways and Means Committee is that there's public interest because they're investigating it, which to me is almost roundabout reasoning. So if it's brought up, then it justifies it being public interest. Thus, it's allowing them to release it. To me, says as long as you mention someone, 
whoever's in power of that committee can mention a name, which gives themselves the authority to release it, which to me is weaponizing it, because then yeah. they're the ones that are justifying it, not necessarily if there is a real public interest in, uh, in it or not. Yeah, yeah well, yeah, that's, uh, that's not the way the, the law works. So what the law protects is specific tax-related information to for relating to a specific person, you, me, former President Trump, anyone, right? And it has to be some specific tax related information relating to to us. Mm -hmm. So the mere fact that the committee says, we want to investigate um, George Yin's taxes, and we're going to do that, doesn't actually reveal anything about George Yin and his taxes. It simply says, we're doing our oversight job to, to examine that. But when they actually then disclose something specific about George Yin's taxes, such as gee, he wasn't audited, or gee, he is audited, or gee, he reported such, such, et cetera, then that's protected information ordinarily, and that would be a violation ordinarily. And my, my only point on that was that even though the committee did reveal that information, which is protected information, there was a legitimate, or at least in my view, there was a legitimate basis to do that, which is that this, what happened seems to present an important public policy concern, which justifies potentially a legislative solution. They have proposed a legislative solution, and they're now revealing that information as evidence to support their legislative solution. All of that seems consistent with essentially what Congress does all the time. And so the mere fact that he was not audited so very much uh, is is even though it is private information, it could be revealed at least in my view. The the rest of the stuff, it seems to me, I haven't yet. I mean, I, I haven't looked through all of this in any great detail yet because there's a lot of material that's come out. But I haven't seen any justification to report, you know, how much income he reported, how much taxes he paid, what credits he claimed, what deductions he took. I mean, I don't I don't see. What any of that has to do with this basic concern about how the IRS is processing the um, the returns? Right, uh, George Yin joining us, a professor emeritus of law, University of Virginia. Hypothetically speaking, sometimes after um, a person dies, it, then a lot of information becomes public record. Does tax records have that? Is there something that? would normally say, okay, now it's not private information anymore, where there would be certain extensions of the law that would allow this to be released. Because um, I'm just curious if in the future, would this have come out anyway, or would this always be private if it wasn't for the act that happened to release it? Well, yeah, that's a good question. And, and here again, the law is very specific. The, the, the people that are blocked from revealing tax information, confidential tax information, are essentially the people in the government. So the IRS or, you know, anybody who gets their hands on it from the through the government um, is is blocked and, and would be breaking the law if they revealed it. And it doesn't matter whether the person is alive or dead. But a lot of times, particularly after people die, other people who didn't get the information from the government, but perhaps their friends or relatives or, or even, you know, people who are kind of opponents of the person who died, but somehow got their hands on it, and they let it out. Well, that's not a violation of the law. Um, there might be obviously a private action that's taken by somebody, but 
that wouldn't be the kind of thing that the law is barring. The law is saying the government collects the information, government, you need to protect the information. So anybody who gets the information from the government is now going to be barred from any further disclosures. Right. One of the examples I've seen in almost every article written about this and some of the concerns is that what stops a body from releasing, let's say, a Supreme Court justice's tax record? Sometimes people question, oh, where do they get that donation or money from? Or, you know, they are sympathetic to a certain cause and we got to look more into it. Hypothetically speaking, uh, could you see that in the future, maybe the same thing happening to a Supreme Court justice? Well, I mean, obviously, once you open the gates, if this is an opening of the gates, and at least in my view, this seems to be a partial opening of the gates, uh, then, you know, potentially every, every everything is open. We, we don't know what might happen. Uh, you could you could reveal uh, through the same process, you could reveal the uh, the information of your political opponent or the judge you don't like. Or even your, your so say some business person that you have a dispute with, and some member of Congress has a dispute with uh, some private business and decides, you know, we're going to get back at them, and so they go ahead and, and reveal. I mean, it's it's endless. You can imagine all sorts of scenarios. Now, obviously, I'm hoping that the, there are enough level-headed people in government and in the country to preclude all of that. But we are marching in that direction, which is worrisome to me. Um, Professor Emeritus Law of University of Virginia, Georgian, very detailed. This is a much more detailed account of what's going on than I've read in even the New York Times. So I've learned a lot here. Thank you so much for joining us in St. Louis, discussing these things. I don't know if you write for any publications that you want to plug. I'd be more than happy to let you to do that. <laughs> yeah. I've I've written on this. I've researched this. I've I've done a lot of writing on it. So, um, but I appreciate appreciate the offer and uh, good luck with you. Thank you very much. Uh, and, wow, uh, this is something that if if you heard this and you caught something from it, I would recommend that you send a link to a friend that just you know, hey, check out this interview with George Yin, uh, Professor Emeritus Law, University of Virginia, on the concerns of releasing President Trump's tax returns. Uh, Sometimes not so much a concern. Sometimes a, is it a floodgate opening? Is it not a floodgate? Uh, it's so much hard to tell. But wow, the technical detail of this is a lot more than just a headline. So it's good to look into it. All right, we'll do the audio cut of the day coming up after the break. I'm Ryan Recker, 97.1 FM Talk. Oh, there's the jingling. I was waiting for that. It had to be Christmas related. Can I just mention I love Heidi Harris? How funny is that for a liner? It's a Christmas miracle. Mark yeah, that's great. <laughs> I, did, I have to say, I saw Mark last night at the Christmas party, and I said, are you coming back? Why would you? Why did you take the beginning of the week and not the end of the week? So it is kind of a Christmas miracle. <laughs> She's not wrong. Oh, yeah. Heidi did a great job from what I hear this morning. And she's out in Las Vegas. And she wakes up super early. That's a two-hour or one-hour time difference. So even much She's got to wake up even earlier to do the show. She said she got right, up at one, Ryan. Oh, my goodness. I know. That's uh, dedication. And Heidi, I know, on Sundays here on 97.1, so she does a weekly program, and she does a great job with it, too. All right, let's do this audio cut of the day. Playback ready. Now, the audio cut of the day. 
And it's brought to you by The Good Feet Store, comfort, energy, performance, and pain relief at The Good Feet Store. I have an extended clip I'd like to play of Senator Rand Paul discussing just the problems we're running into with $1.7 trillion, 4,000 pages, and zero people reading through it. I think the greatest risk to our national security is our debt. The process stinks. It's an abomination. It's a no good, rotten way to run your government. Six trillion dollar entity. And they want 24 hours to process this. And then they want to go forward. I will be demanding two amendments. One, that this goes against the budget rules. The PAYGO rules say you can't do this. You can't have all this new spending unless it's offset. We will also be demanding that the PAYGO rules are increased. Instead of taking 60 votes to evade the rules, we're going to ask that it be a two-thirds vote to evade the rules. The American people don't want this. They're sick and tired of it. They're paying for it through the nose with inflation. Adding a trillion dollars to the deficit will simply fuel the fires that are consuming our wages and consuming our retirement plans. It's a terrible system. Someone needs to stand up. We're standing up. And we're going to say no. I love it. And there was only a few senators there. I saw it was Senator Paul, Senator Johnson in Wisconsin, I think Senator Braun in Indiana. So there's only a handful that were standing up for it. But man, there's something lousy about the idea of waiting to the last minute so you can jam in as much wasteful spending as you can. Then you print the document out at like 1.30 in the morning and say, hey, we're going to give you a day to look at this. Unbelievable. And you know they're not going to read the 4,000 plus pages. Nope. They don't care as long as their earmark or whatever's in it. And then they're just going to pass it and put us into further debt without <sighs> any care in the world and put us in an even worse situation because they realize that they're just going to do it again and again and again and just going to get away with it. <sighs> There's reason to be frustrated with that. So good for Senator Rand Paul. I appreciate that. That was the audio clip of the day brought to you by the Good Feed Store. Sue, did you know Dan Gray at all? I saw he retired. Good for him. Yeah, we used to uh, see him here when he would fill in or be on X in the morning, and he mm -hmm. is nothing but the nicest man. Isn't he? Everyone says that about him. He just really is. He's shorter than you would imagine. This is Random Thoughts by Sue. But he's a real <laughs> sweetheart of a guy, and uh, you'd see him in the kitchen, and he could not be more pleasant or friendly. Uh, long time with Fox 2, KPLR. Dan Gray, I'm sure you've seen him on television, anyone listening here. I think last night was his last show, so we, I wanted to at least give him some mention and congratulate him on all the longevity and the great work he did in this St. Louis market. And they were showing video I was watching on Fox 2's website this morning, uh, the video of him going around and like the, the entire staff's lining the hallways to shake his hand oh, as he's leaving. That's really and I nice. Thought, Don't you just want to leave? Like, okay, your shift is over. Don't you just want to go home? You're like, hey, I retired for a reason. Uh, do I, I don't want to have to, like, go down the tunnel and give everyone a high five like it's the NBA. No, yes, he would. Rip off your starter jacket. No, he so? would. Yeah, I think that's really nice. If you've worked somewhere, especially for 51 years doing anything, I, I think it's nice to uh, kind of reap the benefits of being a sweetheart for all those years and let people say what they feel because it's, it's positive. I'll say Charlie Brennan had probably the best exit because he had to run to the Cardinals game right after. So there was no waiting around. He just like, see ya, I got to go. And he was honored by the Cardinals that day, did the first pitch and everything. That was the way to do it. There was one other story. KSDK did the story. And this is just, I'm trying to like brush up all the stories I didn't get a chance to talk about today. 
there was a federal judge that was looking into a claim from a family that said their dog was picked up by the county and euthanized and wrongfully euthanized. Oh. And what a nightmare situation that is when you have a pet. And, you know, Sue, you have dogs. You know what that's like. Oh, that's it's awful. always a fear of mine that the dog will get out and I won't be able to find her. Oh. And I, I think all pet owners feel that way, right? They, they don't want to lose a loved one. No. It's like. It's like a family member. Uh, so a federal judge was looked into this because the family was very upset. Uh, they sued county control after their dog's death in 2019. Uh, the dog was brought to the county shelter, a mandatory quarantine. And what ended up happening was the family said, hey, owner's request euthanasia, euthanasia was not what we wanted. That was uh, not right. But they ended up putting the dog down. And the family said, no, 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 this shouldn't have happened. Well, I think their mistake and maybe checking something they didn't know they checked on accident means that they were at fault for it. So ultimately, the county wasn't wrong for putting this animal down. But that's kind of sad, isn't it? Wait a minute. The, watch the family signed. checked the wrong box. Is that what you're saying? So they thought they were signing a box, which is, we'll come pick her up later or something like that. Oh. But really, they were signing something that said, go ahead and put her down. Oh, jeez. Isn't oh, that that's sad? That's horrible. Horrible. Yeah, so basically if the family members thought they were saying, okay, we'll come reclaim the dog. Like, okay, let's re let's get the dog back, sign, sign, sign. And then, no, that was the wrong box. So they said, you wrongfully put down our dog. We're going to sue you. But a federal judge tossed it. And they said, eh, you, you signed the wrong box. That's your fault. You got to pay closer attention. That's tough. That I mean, tough. It, signing documents and the things that you don't know you're signing. Mm. So you're a realtor. Do you ever have clients sign things they don't mean to and get in trouble later for it? Does that happen a lot in the realty world? Well, it's anymore it's um, uh, done by e-signing, and mm -hmm. uh, it's a lot easier for them to uh, go over things. In other words, you don't have stacks of papers in front of you. You just mm -hmm. kind of go through. It's the same forms online, but so many people look at them that they're generally caught. I mean, every now and then I, I, I will get a, something back. That will say so and so signed in the wrong spot, but in general, it's done pretty well. It just goes through so many hands: the buyer, the seller, the two agents, there, the agents' companies. I mean, they, that it generally gets caught. And I think most people understand that. And I think when it happens on a mistake like that, there's a certain amount of it was a reasonable mistake, meaning that okay, I get it. It was a mistake. Everyone knew it was a mistake, so you're not going to get punished for that. But I guess there's always disputes when you have different parties and money involved along yeah. those lines. Um, but when it comes to the dog's life, I guess the county had the signature that they needed. It's kind of sad. Oh. Uh, lock up that dog and don't let that dog out. I, I see missing dogs all the time. And you always wonder whatever happened to those dogs. Don't you, did you ever get deer at your house? Do you ever see that? Because no, I I'm... love it when I pick up a deer on the ring camera. <laughs> no, I am... I am too close to the city. I do not have deer. The The closest thing that we have are, well, we got a lot of squirrels, Ryan, if you need squirrels, and possibly an opossum. Dogs love to search for squirrels. If I even say the word squirrel, my dog runs to the window <laughs> to check out what's going on. Does not like it. Um, and the snow is going to add another conflict, the cold in the snow. So once that starts to accumulate, nice thing is my dog doesn't mind going out, but so I've had dogs, you got to literally push out the door to get them to do yeah. their business. And you got a little dog, right? So uh, like four inches of snow would be enough to like basically go up to their shoulders. Well, uh, yeah, yeah. I don't know what people with small dogs do. They must just shovel a little area and drop them down in it. Yeah. I thought you had like a French bulldog or something. No, like I have English bulldogs and they English are bulldog. 50 pounds each. They're fine. 
different type of dog. (laughs) (laughs) The English bulldogs. They don't mess around with that. Yeah, you got to think about it. And uh, by the way, people listening here today with kids and whatnot, schools are already calling off for tomorrow because they're worried (sighs) about the cold. Um, virtual learning instances, because all these kids have iPads anymore, so they can basically log in on their iPad. They can do an hour of work that's uploaded by their teacher and call it a day. And I don't think these schools have to make up for it because of that. So maybe it's smarter not to bring the kids in and not have to worry about, you know, the parents worrying that at the end of the day, if things are going to be really messy. Um, Yeah, I know tomorrow morning, tomorrow afternoon, you heard from AccuWeather. It's going to be an interesting ride. Hopefully it's not too bad, but I know you'll be tracking it, Sue. So this is where uh, champions are made. And Sue, you've been a champion many times before. (laughs) I'm not sure that's true, but thank you. I know you're looking forward to that. It was so fun working with you today. I really appreciate it. Always a pleasure, Ryan. (laughs) Abby and Fred, fantastic work as well. Uh, I'll be back again tomorrow for Mark Reardon. If you guys want to look me up online, I have a website with my social media on it, ryanrecord.com. Have a great night. We'll see you tomorrow. Get more at 971talk.com. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.